Thursday morning, folks. Hope everybody is doing well in Cleveland Browns land. Whether you're listening to us in Cleveland, Northeast Ohio, Northern Ohio, Ohio as a whole, in the United States, over in Ireland, Britain, the UK, or anywhere else in the world. Sorry, those are the ones that I know off the top of my head. If you are listening from somewhere else, let me know. Holler at me. North America. Whatever. Let me know. Uh, my name is Jared Mueller. I am your host. You can get a hold of me on Twitter at Jared K. Mueller. That's J-A-R-E-D-K-M-U-E-L-L-E-R. We are moving along. Free agency has officially started. The league's new year has started. Uh, not the fireworks that maybe some people expected with four or five teams that needed to get under the salary cap Unfortunately, that means no little steal here or there for the Browns where all of a sudden they're pulling in a 26, 27-year-old player for a six-round pick just because his team could not afford to keep him, and that is unfortunate. But I hope you are enjoying a nice cup of coffee or whatever your morning beverage looks like. And if you aren't listening to this in the morning, well, that doesn't make any sense to you, but... You'll drink something else, get your water, uh, enjoy the rain if you are where I am, enjoy the sun if you are someplace that is sunny, and enjoy life otherwise. So Cleveland Browns, we want to talk through. The Browns have two guys that they've brought back, and they've lost some players. So we want to talk through that as we kind of look to move forward and what what's available, what's left, what could be done, all of that kind of stuff for the Cleveland Browns. But first, a word from our sponsors. And hopefully you support that product. Support those who support us. Browns fans, it's important that we do that to everyone who supports us, right? Like, take care of those who take care of you, personally, professionally, all that kind of stuff. So, the Cleveland Browns, as as we understand it right now, and again, that that's always limited and all, that's always kind of minimal, have lost six of their own, including four to the Houston Texans. So we just kind of kind of want to roll through those, and I'll just use the Texans as the first team um, because those four, there's four of them, right? So uh, top of the list, cornerback Terrence Marshall goes to Houston for two years and $7.5 million. Not a huge contract, probably more than the Browns wanted to spend for team money uh, or money Mitch or team Mitch or whatever we ended up calling him. He was a player, uh, to be honest, like one of the players we're going to talk about that the Browns did retain. He was a player that was probably better or not as good as we thought he was. But we really enjoyed him. We really liked him. We really appreciated him. He was a player when John Dorsey signed him out of Kansas City. A lot of people said, "Who, who, who, the, who, the, who, who is Terrence Terrence Mitchell? Some random slot guy?" And like there were just a lot of thoughts about Terrence Mitchell. Came in, really played well. Played primarily on the outside for the Browns. Uh, last year, he took over for Greedy Williams because Greedy Williams couldn't play and and played as well as you could expect. Worked hard, tried hard. Um, obviously not a perfect cornerback in any way, shape, or form. Uh, probably closer to a fourth corner than most of us would like to admit just because he's ours. Right? That's how we That's how we do when, when it's yours. You, you, it's hard to be realistic about what's going on there and what the talent level is and all of that. Uh, but probably closer to a fourth corner, maybe a third. Uh, but for the Browns, the Browns, if they're going to add, are probably, you know, they're looking for, if it's going to be their third slash fourth corner, they're not looking to spend two years, seven and a half million dollars. 
right? If they're going to spend money there, uh, as we were told, they were in on the Shaquille Griffin contract. Uh, now, he ended up going back home to Florida, more guaranteed money, no state income tax, all that stuff's going to play a role for players, but he went back. So, if the Browns are going to spend money, it's going to be on a, a number two, or if it's a number three, it's going to be a pure, you know, that, that they're going to spend money on. It's going to be a pure kind of slot corner. You know, there's some guys still out there, Bronny Poole, Troy Hill, those kind of guys. But Terrence Mitchell is off the board to the Houston Texans. Also off the board to the Houston Texans, someone who... He, I believe he blocked two kicks uh, last year um, and just had a few little plays that you're like, ooh, there's, there might be something there. Uh, but Vincent Vincent Taylor, defensive tackle, also goes to Houston, one year, $2 million. Again, don't pay for depth is one of the Browns' guardrails. If you haven't seen that, wreck this league, Seth, our, our graphics guy, uh, took the Browns' guardrail uh, paper that leaked years ago uh, and kind of cleaned it up for us. So, uh, again, you can go to, I believe it's actually wreckthisleague.com to get the PDF of that where the guardrails are. But don't pay for depth. And $2 million, while it's not a lot, that that's money against the salary cap. And Vincent Taylor, while, while he had some plays, wasn't a guy you're going to spend that money for. So the Browns lose uh, Terrence Mitchell and Vincent Taylor off their defense, two guys who were forced into action for a variety of reasons last year uh, and, and to bigger roles than expected. Uh, Terrence Mitchell was expected to be the fourth cornerback behind Denzel, Greedy, Kevin Johnson, and then there would be Terrence Mitchell, which is a fine role for him, right? Instead, he was kind of placed into that number two corner role without – uh, Kevin Johnson was out with lacerated liver or kidney. I forget which one it was, but an internal organ in injury. And obviously, Greedy Williams didn't play. So, same thing with Vincent Taylor. Uh, Andrew Billings doesn't play. Um, and so, uh, Jordan Elliott still developing as a rookie last year. So, he got some time in there. But for the Browns, the combined three years, $9.5 million, are going to be better spent someplace else. At least that's what they think. And then the Texans decided the Browns' special teams was really good, and they wanted the two top special teams guys the Browns have. And so uh, Tavier Thomas, two years, $4 million. Tay Davis, uh, we don't have the contract details uh, that I have seen anywhere. But the Browns' two top special teams guys uh, when it comes to coverage, uh, Tay Davis and Tavier Thomas, are now gone to Houston. Uh, so obviously, uh, Mike Prefer and his squad were doing something right to be able to bring in those two guys uh, that they wanted. Those two guys. Uh, so Houston is hoping that they um, have a better special teams because they brought in the Browns' two special team aces. Now, for the Browns, two years, four million dollars for Tavier Thomas. It's not a ton of money, but again, all of that stuff adds up. Instead, you know, the Browns are looking for uh, a rookie contract that you know is paying them. You know, on the salary cap, maybe not even hitting the salary cap because it's top 51. So you can have some players who, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, don't don't actually hit the salary cap or go against the salary cap playing special teams. Or you have somebody near the bottom with, you know, 700,000, you know, 500,000 into the cap, whatever those numbers might end up being. But $2 million or whatever it would have been, depending on the contract or the tender for both of those guys, just wasn't worth it. I believe each tender was, you know, million something, probably most likely somewhere in that range. That's just more money for players uh, that can do more than just play special teams. And so right now the Browns need more than players who can just play, play special teams. 
In the future, it's possible one guy, like Matthew Slater from the New England Patriots, has always been their special teams ace. They're willing to pay a little bit. But the reality is for the Browns, they need to save their money They need and put it towards players who can uh, compete on the offense, defense, and special teams. They need all of that. So you, they need rookies. They need second-year guys on really cheap contracts who can play special teams but also contribute. There was nothing that we saw that told us we wanted either Tavier Thomas or Tay Davis contributing on the defensive side of the ball. Got to try to find guys who can do both. Once you get that roster filled out a little bit better, then you can specialize. Then you can look at guys, uh, a guy, not guys, a guy who is purely a special teams guy. Uh, But if you're going to do that, you actually would hope that was more like a punt returner or a kick returner at times that you could have that just does those things. If you can find a gunner, fine. Or if you can find a guy like Josh Cribbs who returned very, very, very well and was a great gunner, great, right? Like uh, That's kind of what you're looking for there. But until you have kind of not a complete roster, you're never going to have a complete roster, but until you have identified your defensive starters primarily, because that's where a lot of your special teams that we're talking about, like Tavier Thomas and Tay Davis, cornerback, linebacker, safety, uh, every once in a while, kind of edge guys, for you know, uh, covering kicks and punts until you kind of get the defensive side identified, putting resources, roster spots to those special teams only players can be uh, problematic at times. So, those are the four that went to the Texans Terrence Mitchell, Vincent Taylor, Tay Davis, Tavier Thomas, and then there's two other losses. Uh, Kendall Lamb, tackle, goes to the uh, Tennessee Titans, uh, who he scored his big man touchdown against. Two years, $8.5 million with everybody that the Browns have on the offensive line. Listen, I'll be honest, I don't even can't even name all the names at this point in time. But you have the starting five. You have Drew Forbes uh, coming back. You have Chris Hubbard. You have some guy named Blake. Uh, I'm, there's just so many guys. Um, that there's There are. There's a guy, I can't think of his name right now, who looked good, then got hurt. Um, you know, there's just, there's just so many guys that are uh, on that offensive line that they're expecting to be good, um, along with Nick Harris, the rookie, or now going into his second year. You know, there's just a lot of guys. So losing Kendall Lamb was expected. Two years, $8.5 million. Tells you that they expect him to primarily be a backup, but the Titans are again transitioning some of their offensive line pieces. Um, Kelly, who replaced Jack Conklin, uh, looks like he's going to be gone. So it'll be interesting if Lamb actually takes that starting right tackle job. And if he does, Browns fans know that's probably not the best for Ryan Tannehill. That's probably not the best for Derrick Henry. That's probably not the best for the Colt or the Titans offense. Uh, but Kendall Lamb, two years, $8.5 million. And then finally, the maybe the most emotional one for, for Browns fans, because we get invested in our guys, is defensive tackle Larry Ogunjobi. To the Bengals, to the Bengals. Listen, we know Ogunjobi. We know that story of his weight and how he's got himself into shape. Uh, but for the Browns, he he never really broke out. He had flashes here and there, especially his rookie and third year at times. Uh, I mean, just in general, it was so inconsistent. I'm not sure. I talked about this on a, a previous 
Uh, I don't know if it was the four-hour YouTube special for our off-season kickoff or if it was on here, but, you know, I think Larry Ogunjobi wants to be a three technique, but the Browns used him more as a nose tackle, a zero or a one, uh, but he wanted to penetrate. He wanted to make impact plays. He didn't want to be stout against the run or stout, you know, holding off uh, two blockers kind of thing. They He wanted to kind of get upfield, and while that's that can be good, that can be disruptive, it can also be disruptive to your defense when a player is not in the position that you expect them to be at or want them to be at or tell them to be at, whatever terms we want to use here. That that doesn't always go uh, well for a defense when people aren't there. And so um, I think Larry wants to be a, a three technique. I think it'll be interesting in Cincinnati where they have some depth. We know he's friends with Geno Atkins, so it'll be interesting uh, how he – uh, fits in there, how they use him. Uh, it looks like it's a one-year deal. We don't have, or I don't have the details on that, but, you know, Larry was one of those guys that really called to us, really liked what he could become. He, to be honest, he got pumped up a little bit by social media and draft Twitter and those kind of things. And, and then he, then he made some plays that kept you Kept you, oh, is he getting there? Is he making that? Is he is he moving ahead? All of those kind of things. And and so I think it's still there for Larry. I think it's figuring out the consistency, figuring out the best position and how to play that position best. And so my hope is that in Cincinnati, uh, he knows how they're going to use him and he wants how they're going to use him, right? My guess is, is both the Browns and Larry knew that nose tackle and, and playing that 0-1 technique wasn't exactly uh, what he wanted to do. Um, and again, that's just from watching tape. That's just from watching how he played the game. It didn't seem like a guy who wanted to eat up blocks. It didn't seem like a guy who took his block into another block so that Sheldon Richardson was freed up, Miles Garrett was freed up, those kind of things. He, instead, he got to the inside or outside shoulder of his guy, normally the inside shoulder of his guy, and was then trying to bust through. And, and if that's what they wanted him to do, if that's his role at times, that's fine. But in the end, when you get to the inside shoulder and you're they're asking you or they expect you to, um, you know, eat up blocks, well, that inside shoulder leads you to the next blocker and you go into that next blocker. So there's two guys trying to block you, freeing up other people, again, depending on how you're expected to be used by your defense. So it doesn't mean Larry was doing anything wrong. That's just how I saw it on game film. I'm not going to pretend to know what his uh, role was, what his expectations were, uh, what they wanted from him. But obviously, they didn't do a lot to hold on to him. Uh, One-year deal in Cincinnati probably isn't for any significant money. We're probably talking $3, 4000000 million a year, maybe that Tack McKinley-type contract. Um, and so and they let him go to a rival and all of that kind of stuff. So, you know, if he if he was doing exactly what they wanted and doing it well, they probably would have fought to keep him. They probably would have looked to keep him even earlier. So, unfortunately, Larry Joby is out. But now we get to do the fun stuff and talk about the two guys that are returning for your Cleveland Browns. So the title to this is probably a little misleading in Hollywood and the MVP, but the reality is, is that's the two guys that are back. We have Hollywood Higgins and we have the MVP, Malcolm Smith. Yep, Malcolm Smith, the MVP for the Seattle Seahawks of the Super Bowl. Somehow is that's how I'm going to go ahead and reference him. First, let's talk about Richard Higgins. He's the big name. He's the he's the one everybody is obviously excited about. He's kind of the the other side of um, either Larry Ogunjobi or Terrence Mitchell. Um, 
in that he is a player that we love that may not be as good as we kind of act like he is. I'm just being real honest with you folks. Uh, the reality is that Richard Higgins is a fine player, but he may be someone we get a little too excited about because of his fit, because of his personality, because of his connection with Baker Mayfield, because of his, you know, his story is really interesting. He was cut by the Browns and no one claimed him. The Browns bought him back, brought him back to the practice squad. This is back in Hugh Jackson era. Brought him back to the practice squad, and then because of injuries and some other things, all of a sudden they need him. And I forget, I feel like that game he went for like 8 for 81 or something like that when they needed him, picked him up off, or pulled him up off the practice squad, um, and then, you know, kept him around. And he just kept, he he's just kept staying around. Like, if there's anything that we know we can say is that Rashard Higgins is just keeping around. And so, one year deal, two and a half or so million dollars. Uh, Higgins is back. Let's run it back, right? Baker Mayfield's obviously pretty excited about that. There's a lot of connection. The real question for the Browns is what are they going to do with Higgins? How are they going to use him? Because the reality is, is that uh, the Browns are a 12 personnel team. For those who are not into that lingo, 12 personnel uh, means one back, two tight ends. And then you just figure out how many uh, wide receivers are after that, right? So one back, two tight ends means there's room for two wide receivers out on the field because you get five, right? So that's how that works. So 12 personnel, that's a lot for the Browns. A lot of uh, Austin Hooper and David Njoku. A lot of Austin and Hooper and Harrison Bryant. A lot of Bryant and Njoku together. Whatever it is, there's generally, and then there's some Carlson, right? So there's a lot of two tight end sets which only leaves room for two wide receivers. And when you're in two tight end sets, the tight ends tend to play in the middle of the field, again, tend to, which means the wide receivers need to play on the outside more so. And so with Jarvis Landry, we've talked about him ad, ad nauseum. Uh, he plays best on the inside as well. That's why um, sometimes talked about as a tight end. That doesn't, listen, this isn't to degrade Jarvis Landry. It's not to say anything negative about him. Uh, the question with Rashard Higgins returning is, do they do more 11 personnel? So 11, again, one running back, one tight end, which means there's three wide receivers on the board. It allows Higgins to get his, right? So he plays on the outside. I think uh, Higgins is a low-level number two, um, and he can play outside. You don't have to be big always to play outside. You don't always have to be fast to play outside. I think Higgins runs really, really good routes and is good on back shoulder fades. Those are two things that are important on outside players. You have to have some way to kind of, quote, unquote, win on the outside. And so uh, for big guys uh, or, or fast guys, that's normally a deep route, boxing a player out, jump balls. You know, there's some of those kind of things. Or even with some um, quick hitches. Uh, wide receiver screens, whatever. That's how fast guys or big guys win. Someone like Higgins, his win is going to be on that back shoulder fade. Uh, he he plays it very well. He's got great body control, all that kind of stuff. That's kind of how he wins on the outside. And then in his route running, he can win um, with a variety of things. He's he's less of a slant guy. He can, uh, but slants are more about quickness often. Uh, and so his route running is good, but he's not always overtly quick. Um, but he does some, you know, he, he plays well as an over route. Uh, outs. There's a lot of different ways that Higgins can be used, but again, that's on the outside, and that's that means either Jarvis Landry or Odo Beckham Jr. is off the field, which is possible. OBJ is coming back from injury. Jarvis uh, has has just been kind of dinged up throughout the last couple of seasons, so you know, getting some good flexibility is there. 
Obviously, there's always going to be the continued conversation about trading either one of those guys just because they have such a high contract. Uh, listen, that's not to say anything negative about either of them. When you have big contracts like that, two of them, you know, talking about moving them is normal. That's not to say they should. That's not to say, you know, OBJ is, uh, you know, whatever or Jarvis is whatever. It's just the reality of two guys on big contracts uh, and what that looks like, especially bringing back Higgins, right? So, what was he promised or what did they say they try to do? Was that just more um, flexibility, more uh, moving people in and out with Jarvis and OBJ? Was that more 11 personnel, 10 personnel at times with, you know, no tight ends? Uh, what did that, you know, what were the quote-unquote promises um, from the Browns? And then what does it say about the rest of the roster, right? So Canero Hodge. They, they tendered him, probably expect him to be back. Donovan Peoples-Jones as a rookie and had times where he looked good and has some speed, has some size, those kind of things. Well, that's five wide receivers, folks. And when you have four tight ends on the roster and three running backs, all of a sudden, I'm not sure you're adding another wide receiver. You could. You could think ahead to Jarvis and OBJ's contracts or the fact that Higgins is going to be a free agent again next year. We've done this a few years in a row now, right? Uh, but there's there's just a lot of talent on the roster that they may want to use. And so, um, you know, do they, do they add another guy? And what does that look like if they do add another guy? So I think the Higgins signing is just really interesting for how is he going to be used? What does it mean for the other receivers in the roster? And what does it mean going forward that it is unlikely that they're going to be adding a player high in the draft? Unlikely, given just what their roster space looks like. The other thing I want to just mention, it seems a little interesting. Again, I'm just going to go with a little interesting that the Higgins signing came shortly after the Curtis Samuel signing with the Washington football teams. Again, I have no inside information. Uh, I'm not Lane Atkins. I'm not Brad anymore um, but it just is really interesting that Curtis Samuel signs with the Washington football team and then the Browns get this deal done with the Shard Higgins the timing makes me think makes me think that the Browns were at least interested or in on Curtis Samuel probably not anybody else at this point in time uh, the Kenny Galladay's of the world uh, some of those top kind of guys it also probably tells me that Brashard Perryman's maybe out. I just don't see them adding. But the fact that the timing was so kind of linked up with Curtis Samuel tells me uh, that there's a possibility they were still in on him and, and that they were going to not uh, sign Higgins. And, and some of that's a do-right um, by Higgins. If they were going to somehow get Curtis Samuel, he goes to Washington, returns to uh, play for Ron Rivera where he – uh, who coached him in Carolina. That all makes sense. Got paid pretty good. Uh, I think he is a low-level number one right now who could be a number one, number one over the next couple of years. So it's going to be interesting to watch Curtis Samuel as the Browns return with Rashard Higgins and really kind of in that full run-it-back kind of mode on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, they lost, you know, Kendall Lamb. Everything else they've lost is on their not very good defense or their very good special teams. Um, and now we're on to... Uh, our last final returning player, and that's the MVP, Malcolm Smith. Surprisingly, he's about 32 years old. Did not realize that he was as old as he is. He was actually a previously a seventh-round pick out for the Seattle Seahawks, and then obviously became their MVP of the Super Bowl. Looking at pro football focus, his overall grade is 70.8. 
primarily good in coverage, 79.0, 79.0. The Browns primarily used him as such. So last year, looking at snaps, again, according to Pro Football Focus, total snaps, 559, 357 of those were in coverage, 35 rushing the passer, and then 167 uh, run defense snaps. Now, against the run, he's only graded as a 53.1, and in pass rush, 55.3. Not exactly what he is used for. It is really that coverage grade that is very, very telling for the Browns. We talked about it with John Johnson. Um, we're going to talk about it if the Browns add cornerbacks. Listen, there are cornerbacks out there. We've talked about it. There are some outside guys. There are some inside guys. There's still some availability there, and there's still some availability at edge, you know, with um, Melvin Ingram, Jadavion Clowney. There's a variety of guys. I don't think the Daniel Hunter thing is going to happen anytime soon anywhere. Uh, that's more likely to be a draft or after the draft kind of thing where, the again, if it's the Browns, uh, the Browns aren't dealing from their 2021 allotment of draft picks. Uh, there's some probably going to be some conditional things uh, based on Hunter's ability to play games, based on injury and all that kind of stuff, as well as maybe even a contract uh, to kind of move. So maybe that's looking at you know a 2022 uh, second round pick and a 2023 third round pick where you know the third round pick could become this or maybe it's a fourth round pick that becomes something uh, it'll be interesting to see if daniel hunter is traded what that looks like uh given compensation but malcolm smith is brought back because he's good in coverage and the browns understand when you look at the buffalo bills all that they've added kansas city chiefs all that they have uh you need coverage and you need pass rushers everything in between not that it doesn't matter it's going to matter on specific plays but when you're talking about specific plays, you're talking about a sample, right? And and one or two plays in a sample isn't worth spending the money, right? So one or two plays could decide a game, but when you're looking at the holistic of a team, the holistic of a season, you want to spend money on the 5, 10, 50, 100, 200. And, and Malcolm Smith, 357 times was in coverage was a 79.0 graded coverage linebacker. And according to Pro Football Focus, and listen, folks, I'm not, you know, pound the table, Pro Football Focus is, you know, the greatest and they're perfect or anything like that. They just give us uh, conceptualization. They give us numbers to help us talk about it. I can just tell you I think Malcolm Smith is good in coverage, but at least according to their grades, which are internally consistent, right? So meaning how they grade uh, Malcolm Smith in coverage is the same way they grade another linebacker in coverage. Uh, but Malcolm Smith is ninth overall as a linebacker in coverage, according to PFF. Uh, he's around names like K.J. Wright, Levante David, Kevin Pierre-Lewis, Roquan Smith, Michael Walker, Eric Kendricks, Fred Warner, Blake Martinez, Jayon Brown, Deion Jones. Jayon Brown is a great example. Listen, everybody believes he's a really good athlete or a really good in coverage. He is, and thought that he could not break the bank but get a good contract, and he's returning to Tennessee on a one-year deal. It tells you as a whole in the NFL how important linebackers are, and they're not. And I know that sounds mean, and I know that sounds, um, you know, analytics and nerdy. And all. Listen, I just care about what affects the team, what affects the game. And when I'm watching film, forget analytics. When I'm watching film, speed affects the game, coverage affects the game, and every once in a while – you just need someone who can bring somebody down. But guess what? You don't have to be big to do that. 
At times, you need some size, but you need that on the defensive line, specifically in the middle of the defensive line. I don't care if my linebacker is six foot tall and a uh, 205, right? Uh, that's Jeremiah Owosa-Koromoa out of Notre Dame. He's not very big. Can he make tackles? Can he get around linebackers? Can he, does he understand the game? So it doesn't even, or not linebackers, sorry. Can he get around offensive linemen? Does he understand the game enough that he doesn't even have to get around offensive linemen? He just beats the running back to the hole before the off, the pulling offensive guard gets there or whatever it is. But Malcolm Smith very good in coverage. Number nine overall. B.J. Goodson is in the top 20 in coverage. I still think it's possible, likely, whatever, that he comes back. And the Browns continue to tell you that they're going to focus their energy on coverage and getting after the quarterback, right? So, so far, Tack McKinley is the only guy, oh, getting after the quarterback thing. I think they've been in on some other players. I think they will continue to be in on some other players. Um, Melvin, again, I, I used a couple names. Melvin, Melvin, uh, ah. Melvin Ingram, Carlos Dunlap, Jadavion Clowney. There are guys out there, again, in the slot. Rodney Poole, Troy Hill. There are guys still available that you add one or two of those guys. I want to be really honest with you. If you add Troy Hill and Jadavion Clowney, I'm just using those two names, I believe the Browns have significantly upgraded their defense. Again, edge rusher, it's not just about sacks. It's about what they do, pressure on the quarterback, stopping the run. Uh, again, like I talked about, when I care about the run, I care a little bit about the, the defensive line. That's really where I care about it. Everybody else, I need them to be able to do it, but I primarily need them to be able to cover, and I think the Browns are significantly better just by adding John Johnson, and I think they will continue to get better um, throughout the rest of free agency. And then we get to the NFL draft. Listen, if they're able to add, again, I'm just using two names. Let's just say this time it's Rodney Poole and Melvin Ingram, or it's uh, Rodney Poole and uh, Carlos Dunlap. If they're able to add those two guys, then the draft is so wide open, right? So maybe they bring back B.J. Goodson. Uh, and then in the draft, they can look in so many different directions. They can look for a corner, an outside guy, uh, that can battle with Greedy Williams. You know, um, I've seen rumors online. Uh, I think it was McNeil uh, uh, before some stuff in the rumor. Or sorry, uh, I think Lane was before in the rumor central, and then McNeil. Whatever order it is, we know Lane gets gets his stuff. That Garyon Conley is a possibility. So he battles with Greedy Williams outside. They still bring in a slot guy that still be great, right? And so then Greedy Williams and Garyon Conley are fighting for. Uh, outside corner one and two, uh, or whatever it is, or sorry, two and three. And then you have, you know, Troy Hill or Rodney Poole or somebody on the inside. And then all of a sudden you have four deep at cornerback. You have three, three starting safeties in, and you add a defensive end. All of a sudden you have options, 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 options in the draft. Again, you can go with Zavon Collins, who rushes a passer and plays linebacker. You can go with, uh, JOK, who is basically a, a safety at linebacker. Uh, you could go with Rashad Bateman, although I'm not sure about the wide receiver room, but you could. Uh, you could go with another safety. You're just going to play Grant Delpit or Ronnie Harrison as a linebacker. I don't know, but it opens up so many options. So if the Browns sign two or three more guys who can start, but not big money, and listen, we're going Thursday now. It's not going to be big money, guys. Like That's just the reality. There might be a couple of big contracts left, whether they're one-year deals or multi-year deals. There might be a couple of them, but there's not a lot. So the Browns could bring in, again, a Troy Hill and a Garyon Conley and a Jadavion Clowney, and all of those could cost them total you know, $10 million this year. 
uh, and they do a couple of restructures, simple ones, right? Not nothing big, just get a little extra money this year so they can roll it over or whatever it looks like. They have options, folks. But again, lost six, four to the Titans, uh, four to the Texans, one to the Titans, one to the Bengals. Larry Ogunjobi and Terrence Mitchell are the two bigger names for Browns fans. Uh, and then Hollywood and the MVP return. They get added to John Johnson and Tack McKinley. And the Cleveland Browns are on their way, and it is Thursday. We'll see what happens today, folks. I uh, hope you enjoy your day, and as always, take care of yourself, take care of others, and go Browns.